GamesInTheMedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK... He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever, and yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me is my best buddy, Sean the Arcade Phantom. What up, Craig? Uh, not much, man. Great to uh, have you on this uh, crime drama show. Uh, this might be one of the best <laughs> crime drama shows ever. <laughs> so today, we're talking about Bart the Murderer. Bart killed somebody? Uh, oh, I mean, potentially. Oh, that, that's kind of dark. I mean, I thought this was a comedy show. I wouldn't think he did, but really all the clues are adding together now that I think about it. Sean, when did this episode first air? October 10th, 1991. Yeah, so in this suspenseful episode, Bart accidentally meets a group of men who claim to be a part of a gentleman's club, but seem to have some shady dealings. Hmm? Gentleman's club. Gentleman's club. Legitimate, that's what the sign says. The legitimate businessman's club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, it's you, legitimate. You pop in, you read the newspaper, you know, you you, you know, and you leave. It's it's very legitimate and classy. <laughs> so classy, maybe kind of. We'll get there. So, Sean, uh, tell me it, the the news at this time. Uh, do you want me to go first and depress you, or do you want to be depressed after you give me something? What what, what are you looking for? Depress it. Let's pile this <laughs> depression up before I get to mine, and I'll break it down. Oh boy. So, I. It, I, there was a lot of depressing things going on at this time, actually, as I was reading through the the, uh, the news of the time. So one of the things that caught my attention is that Volkswagen hired a team of historians in Germany who found that 80% of the company's wartime workforce were slave laborers in Nazi death camps to make V1 rockets. Ferdinand Porsche. Fuck. <laughs> Ferdinand Porsche, who went on to make the Porsche sports car, uh, apparently recruited uh, laborers from Auschwitz to produce weapons at the time. Uh, and not surprisingly, his son and daughter, uh, Ferdinand Porsche Sr., uh, passed away before uh, this study was done. Of course, something tells me he would not have allowed it. Uh, but his uh, kids apparently claimed that the findings were very deceptive. It, I'm sure they were muddling up the truth of their their wonderful father. Listen, okay, if I was Ferdinand Porsche, mm-hmm. and this is my slave labor camp, I would change it to Porschewitz. I'm just saying. <laughs> so maybe he didn't do it. Yeah, I made a joke out of a terrible scenario, and I feel terrible. Do you, though? I don't know that you do. No, not really. But So it, it gets worse. Porschewitz. Go. It gets worse than Porschewitz. <laughs> it gets worse than Porschewitz. <laughs> so... Porsche apparently had Heinrich Himmler's direct contact information to get his the laborers from Auschwitz. And here's the thing, Sean. When you can look at someone and they have the digits to Heinrich Himmler, maybe they're not on the right side. 
Maybe not. Maybe they need better friends. Yeah. So history had previously depicted him as an unwinning ally uh, of Hitler. It was someone who was like un- very unwilling, uh, you know, maybe didn't understand what was going on. But it, it seems like after this study, it's very apparent that, you know, he probably should have stood for war crimes. For, for Ferdinand Porsche, who went on to make the Porsche line of sports cars. Uh, so Peter uh, Frerk unveiled a memorial at the time uh, who worked for Volkswagen and said that the company had commissioned the study to clear up the historical record uh, and was quoted as saying, we owed it to the victims who suffered here. So kudos to Volkswagen's like, you know, board of directors at that time who had a sinking suspicion that they're like, you know, the people who started the company did really bad stuff and were willing to just lay it all out on the table and be like, yeah, this is the truth. We're not thrilled about it, but this is what happened. So basically what you're saying is next time some douchebag in a Porsche parks in two parking spots, I can tell him he's got a Nazi car. Yeah. 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 You can tell him he's worse than Hitler. Yeah. Yep. To all our listeners who have a Porsche, you're worse than Hitler. I mean, how does that feel? Mm-hmm. Not great, I bet. This episode is sponsored to you by Porsche. Oh, oh. man. <laughs> so, Sean, what do you... So that's... I mean, there's a silver lining in the fact that, you know, Volkswagen themselves was willing to kind of stand up and be like, hey, listen, this is what happened. We're not thrilled, but this is what went down. What do you have for us? Okay, so now that you've depressed everybody who's listening to us, <sighs> let's yeah. get on a positive note. Okay. So in Japan, we had a new puzzle game come out to rival Tetris. Oh, Puyo Puyo hits the scene this October. Really? Yep. Okay, so for anyone who has no clue what that is, Puyo Puyo was kind of a thing in America, but it wasn't called Puyo Puyo. No, they had uh, multiple versions that were adopted versions of Puyo Puyo. So, like, in America, Sega got a hold of a Puyo Puyo game, and it became Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. And then Nintendo got a hold of one and made it Kirby's Avalanche. Yeah, well, which uh, I think had a different name in Europe. I, I think it did. I think it's like Kirby... Ghost Drop? Yeah, that might be. I, I think it's, it's a weird name. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the, the Puyo Puyo games, I know you're a huge fan of, Sean. I am a huge fan of, and I did not get them when I was a kid. I played Ro- Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine and thought it was a dumb puzzle game. <laughs> I, I'm not um, much of a puzzle game guy. Like, slow-paced puzzle games I can get behind. Any, anything where I can sit there, mull it over, think about it, like, you know, Professor Layton games and, you know, like a lot of those style of, of you know, puzzle games I, I like. But anything where I'm, I'm it's crunch time and the timer is racking up and things are moving faster, I am terrible at. In Tetris Puyo Puyo, whenever it switches to Puyo Puyo, I screw whoever I'm playing <laughs> Because that is where I shine. I'm not terrible at Tetris. My brain just works in Puyo Puyo's logic, where in Puyo Puyo, when you make a stack of four, uh-huh. any which way you're going, it dissolves the um, Puyos, which are the blocks, essentially. Mm-hmm. And basically, you want to set up combos so it drops more on your enemy to block their combos. Okay. So Puyo is a game, unlike Tetris, where you don't want to make like one line. You want to set it up to do like one, two, three, four combos at once to knock out a ton of stuff. I gotcha. So you got to think ahead for a lot of times. Yeah, I'm not, and, and I'm not even all that great at Tetris, honestly. Uh, so, you know, it's, I, I give you a lot of credit for being good at those style of games because 
I just can't do it. Dude, I love them. I love them. <laughs> just can't. And it's not that I dislike them. I, I, I enjoy when I play them. It's just it gets very frustrating very fast when the computer's like, oh, you can handle it moving at the slowest level, the beginner level. Do you want to go to easy mode? I'm like, no, no, I don't want to. All right, Sean, let's uh, go ahead and dive into today's episode. So off the bat, uh, we see Bart wakes up and he's happy and he steps on a dinosaur. And it's perhaps the worst dinosaur to step on, a, uh, a stegosaurus. Okay, well, Bart steps on a toy stegosaurus. That's not that bad. Well, and then it, he... He could step on Legos. He could step on Legos. Those are more painful. Hmm, I don't know. A stegosaurus has got to be tough to step on. Although, the number one worst thing to step on a is... A Lego step of stegosaurus? <gasps> I was going to say D4s. <laughs> yeah, D4 dice from D&D uh, dice sets are... Those are pretty terrible. Just up on, I've had that happen. They're like a Keltrop. Yeah, you had one made of bone that I remember being super sharp. The scariest thing is I don't know what happened to that thing. So it's like lying in a corner just waiting to like impale my foot somewhere. It's embedded into somebody right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Bart heads downstairs and he, you know, Lisa immediately is kind of like on the offense. She's like, what are you so happy about? And Bart's like, why wouldn't I be happy? You know, it's a beautiful day. You know, I I'm get, get, get to go on a field trip and I'm about to eat the cereal. And he's in Lisa's credit. Mm-hmm. She suffers from horrible depression. No one notices her in the house. So she can be upset when someone's feeling good. I I don't know. I mean, I I get that that it must be frustrating to see someone happy when you're suffering from depression, but I feel like she gets like she gets pretty antagonistic in this episode and this is just the beginning from Lisa. We're going to see some worse stuff coming yeah, up. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so, uh by the way, some of the cereals they have, do you have that list? I I just have that Lisa's eating Jackie O's. Right, which is the uh the nickname of the uh former President Kennedy's wife. Yep, Jacqueline Kennedy. Uh-huh. Apparently she wore like spandex suits and stuff. Like in you can get a spandex like stretch pants for free in the box. Heck yeah, that's a sweet prize. It's kind of weird. Uh but there are some other cereals. There is, let's see, kelp checks. Which sounds uh, utterly disgusting. I would probably really like kelp checks. I like kelp. Burn and hell I like Sean. checks. Burn in the lowest layers of hell, which are actually the ones that are cold. Freeze in the lowest layers of hell, Sean. But I like plain cereal. And you're stupid because of it, and I hate you. I had mini-wheats this morning, and I was upset that they were frosted. You disgust me. So, Kelp Checks, Vita Pillars, and Chocolate Frosted Frosty Crusty Flakes, which says on the box that only sugar has more sugar. Disgusting. It sounds amazing, honestly. It sounds horrible. Well, actually, I will say I, I've I've heard that chocolate frosted flakes are kind of gross, which doesn't surprise me that bad. So yeah, I I, I probably wouldn't enjoy this well, cereal. Yeah, that regular much. frosted flakes are gross. Corn flakes and Wheaties is where it's at. I will pile drive you into this table. So help me God. I'm gonna get you to eat a healthy <laughs> breakfast one of these days. Never. So the the box has a glow in the dark police badge, and Bart goes into it. And, you know, he's like, hey, he's like, somebody took my badge. He's like, you stole it from me. And Lisa's like, nobody wants your stupid police badge. (laughs) And Homer waltzes into the kitchen and he's like, calling all cars, calling all cars. And he's super excited about his new police badge, which glows in the dark. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, I don't know if you caught this, Sean, but when you look at Homer the first time, it's like 
it's like 11.35 in the morning. Oh, I caught that. And then the second time you see Homer, it's like 1.45 in the afternoon. Time travel's very weird in this episode. Well, it's about to become 9.40 in the morning here in a little bit. So Bart goes back upstairs, and he finds that his dog ate his homework. Yeah, is that really that bad? I mean, we do see Santa's little helper spit up some of the homework, and Bart <laughs> thought nine times nine was a hundred. Yeah, I, I mean, the like the I don't know how he got to a hundred. Like ninety nine, okay, he just combined the numbers together, and he's too lazy to multiply or doesn't understand multiplication. But like, how did he get nine times nine to a hundred? He's dumb. He just doesn't pay attention. I feel like he honestly tried. And failed in this one. Because you think if he wasn't trying, he would get a more obvious answer. Like 90 or 99 or something. But uh, it's just a big number. So you pick 100. <laughs> that could be. So Bart, you know, is like, I didn't even know dogs really did that. The school bus honks. Bart gets to the door of the school bus and Otto takes off. We don't see Otto here. I don't even think he's in this episode. But he's gone. He leaves him behind, and Lisa's in the bus smiling very smugly at him. Yeah, she's kind of a bitch. She's kind of being she's a little be jerk. A yeah. I didn't want to say it, but she's yeah, she is. She's being a real bitch here. Like, Because here's the thing. All she had to do was say, hey, Otto, you know your favorite guy ever who whose party you went to before? Uh, maybe pause for just a moment, buddy. This is Otto we're talking about. Who knows what kind of mood he's in, what he's taken that morning. I was going to say mood. That's a funny way of saying how high he is. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm getting at. A rainstorm a rainstorm hits, and Bart has to walk to school. And he shows up 40 minutes late. And I love that when he gets into class and Krabappel's like harping out. Oh, and I also love the fact that it stops raining as soon as he walks in the school. Okay, so I wanted to bring up that 40 minutes late. Uh-huh. Because... If you look at the hour hand, mm-hmm. Springfield Elementary either starts at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. It's not in the correct spot where it should be for the hour hand. Yeah, time's all over the place in this episode, honestly. But it's just the way the clock is drawn. It's yeah. drawn off, and I thought that was very weird. Yeah. the Very quickly done. Yeah, it really was. The I feel like, and, and it's funny, we're, we're being really, really nitpicky, and obviously it doesn't matter in the long run, but there's something really weird about jokes that are being based upon time and they they can't get the drawing of the clocks right, you know. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So they, uh, or you know, so so Bart has to fill out like a tardy slip or whatever. Which is that how it worked for you in elementary school? I don't remember ever being late, really. I was never late. I would just skip and pretend <laughs> I was sick. Right. That sounds right. Like even in high school, I remember doing that where. I had one day where I slept to like 1.30, mm-hmm. woke up, listened to some music from Chrono Trigger, had a cup of coffee. <laughs> it was a pretty good day. It sounds like a pretty amazing day, honestly. Uh, so on the schoolyard, though, Bart's day is getting worse and worse. He goes to impress some girls. He's like, look at me, girls. And he does like this weird flip on the jungle gym and rips his shorts. And he's like, you can stop looking now. Which I hate, though, that his shorts aren't ripped throughout the rest of this scene. Oh, yeah, they're not. They're back to normal in every other scene we see of him, like, in the legitimate businessman's club soon coming up. Does he... Does he have a spare pair? Yeah, maybe in the locker? We see that he doesn't really, like, take home a lot of his stuff. He just throws it in his locker a lot. So maybe, like, he throws on gym shorts. That's weird, right? A little. 
I mean, I didn't have spare clothing in my locker, but, you know, maybe I would have wanted it if I ripped my pants. I didn't have gym shorts in, like, elementary school. Yeah, that was more of a... Uh, middle high school Yeah, thing. middle school, high school thing, for sure. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not sure. That's it's kind of weird. Uh, oh, and then he gets hit in the face with a dodgeball as well. Well, he should have dodged. <laughs> dodgeball. Uh, and finally... After Bart's horrible day, it's about to get better as he's going to the chocolate factory on this field trip and realizes that he left the permission slip at home. Okay. Okay. I knew knew you'd bring this up because I was going to say, I think, the same thing. Go right ahead. We're talking about time in this episode a lot. Yeah. What school waits till after lunch to go on a field trip? Oh, I was going to ask what school doesn't collect the, the permission slips in advance. Like, weeks in advance. Both. <laughs> like, both are huge issues here. Like, if they're leaving at 1 p.m., we're assuming after lunch, it's like 1 p.m. They're going to that chocolate factory for like an, an hour. hour. Yeah, about an hour or so. Tops. Every field trip I ever went on was like a whole day thing. Yeah. The only thing I can think is maybe the... Well, no, because the kids come back as Bart's leaving. So, yeah, no. It yeah. is. It's weird. It's weird. It's a weird timing thing. You know what? I feel like that in order for their jokes to work, they needed the recess where he gets hit in the face with the dodgeball and stuff. And they couldn't just have him come into school and have it immediately go through. I mean, they, they could have. He could have missed the day. You could have just had it be Bart's late so he doesn't go to the field trip. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They, that was That is weird. The, the timing of that is bizarre. Uh, but in any event... Poor Bart is stuck behind and has to go hang out with Principal Skinner, where he's going to lick envelopes. But he can make a game of it. <laughs> Try to see how many he can lick within an hour and then break that record. Sounds like a crappy game to me, though. <laughs> yeah, we'll get licking. Uh, so I, I love, too, the, the kids uh, uh, piling into the school bus. And, like Ralph is like, I'm going to eat chocolate till I barf. Oh, uh, also, kind of an interesting note. Uh, We see in the background, at this point, it looks like grassy hills, you know, in front of uh, Springfield Elementary. Yeah. Did you catch the background when it's Bart talking to Skinner out the window? No. Mountains. Why are there always (laughs) mountains in Simpsons? Mountains. Giant, craggy-peaked mountains. We're not talking, like, like, big hills. We're talking like they look like the Rocky Mountains. Kind of crazy. Mountains. Mountains. <laughs> I'll curse those things till the day I die. Uh, so the kids go to the off-fudge chocolate plant, and they see Coco Beanie himself. Oh, man. Coco Beanie's so happy to see the kids, too. Also, uh, kind of a funny note, in the crowd of kids, we see Nelson. But Nelson is like, he looks like a tiny little baby version of Nelson because he's in the crowd with all these short kids. But Nelson's like three times the size of all those kids. He's baby Nelson. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's his younger brother. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's, it's Nelson looks very tiny there. So the next time you're watching, be on the lookout for that one. Uh, also, at this point, Lisa drops another really weird thing to say. She talks with Janie and she's like, she says, like, uh, you know, like, I think Bart would have really enjoyed this, but it's the only way he'll learn. Learn what? <laughs> what is his lesson? To bring a permission slip. I don't understand. Like, like it'd be one thing if, like, Bart started off the episode being mean to Lisa. But, like, he starts off and he's in a good mood. 
Lisa gets mad at that, and then the only thing Bart does is he gets defensive when he wants to know where the badge is, and Lisa tells him, you know, puts him in his place and says, nobody nobody wants your stupid badge. Okay, so my complaint with this uh-huh. is I never went to school with my brother. You went to school with your sister. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you ever go on a field trip with your sister? No, and it is weird that both those classes, those grades, are going to the field trip together, but only those two grades. It's weird that those grades are going to the field trip together. Uh-huh. Also, it's weird that the whole teachers didn't say, wow, Lisa has a permission slip. Her parents are probably okay with Bart going. Yeah. We should probably call and check on that and say, like, oh, Bart forgot this. Right? Marge is a homemaker. She's at home. All they have to do is call and be like, hey, listen, your son didn't bring in the permission slip. But your daughter did. We felt like maybe we just wanted to double check. Maybe there's an error. Maybe there's a problem here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, no, nobody checks that because everybody's incompetent in Springfield. Well, yeah, I mean, they are. That is the, you know, how it kind of goes. So the the kids are watching a uh, uh, documentary and we see Troy McClure. Yeah, we do. And you might remember him from such films as The Revenge of Abe Lincoln and The Wackiest Covered Wagon in the West. I really want to watch The Revenge of Abe Lincoln. I wanted to watch Wackiest Covered Wagon in the West, and I'm almost wondering if that's involved with Preacher with a Shovel and, uh, oh, what is the other one with Doris Montenegro? Uh, can you think of it? No, not off the top of my head. Uh, Preacher with a Shovel and uh, the one about the Quakers. Calling all Quakers. Calling all Quakers. I'm wondering if uh, Wackiest Covered Wagon in the West is in that series. Man, if Phil Hartman didn't die, we probably would have a sweet Troy McClure show. <sighs> That would have been amazing. We would have seen some of these. It would have been awesome. Uh, oh, that would have been amazing. So uh, they talk about chocolate. And the what they say in the this documentary for, for The Simpsons is that uh, chocolate was rolled with tobacco and smoked. I did a little bit of research, as you knew I would. Uh, chocolate was not smoked, although it was used by the Aztecs. Uh, they're uh, the first culture to, to make use of it. Uh, it was uh, used in a bitter drink. Uh, that the Aztecs believed to be an aphrodisiac. The seeds were so valuable that they were used as currency, and the Aztecs believed that they were a gift from the god of wisdom, Quetzalcoatl. I would smoke chocolate. I'm... I I don't even know what to say to that. Like, if you roll me some chocolate in the tobacco (laughs) leaf, I'll smoke it. Why why, why not? I'll try it once. Next thing you know, I'm addicted to smoking chocolate every week. I've got Hershey bars (laughs) over here smoking them down. Would it cause some kind of chocolatey cancer? It causes cancer and diabetes at the same time. (laughs) Oh, my God. So cut back to Bart, and the poor guy is sitting there licking these envelopes, and time is going backwards. It's just another example of time not working the way it should in this episode. Maybe that's why nobody ages, because they're in some kind of time paradox in The Simpsons. Oh, that could be. I mean, they graduate from the fourth grade and second grade, like, multiple times. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, time paradoxes. Yeah, I guess it's just, yeah, weird time loops and stuff. Hmm. Uh, So, the brats are going crazy at the chocolate factory. Like, one kid is naked running around. The like they're dropping things into vats of chocolate, and this poor, poor guy who's like who works there is just like kids be sanitary, and like the kids are just like sticking their gross, grubby child hands in chocolate. 
some kids are beating the shit out of Coco Beanie himself. <laughs> That's weird, right? Poor Coco Beanie. I oh. mean, okay, so people dress up in these mascot costumes. Uh-huh. And they go there to entertain, and it's because it's a job. I just wanted to entertain. And these poor kids are beating the shit out of them. Wait, poor kids? You mean the kids are beating out of beating poor Coco Beanie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's a victim in this uh, instance. So, mm-hmm. I thought I would do a little research into oh, yeah? people beating mascots. <laughs> okay, alright, lay it on me. So, Disney no longer has the characters uh, wander around like they used to have in the parks from back when we were kids. What, really? Characters still wander around every now and then, but much more often you have to go to a specified meet and greet area to see the characters. Hmm. Because so many kids and punk teenagers were doing obscene things to the characters. Oh. So they would walk up and like kick him in the shins, kind of like Bart will do later on in what we see. <laughs> Basically, that started a huge trend. But I want to get real dark. Oh, God. Yeah. So Domino's Pizza used to have a mascot called the Noid. Oh, no. I know this one. Do you know why they don't have the Noid anymore? Uh, I do. I, I, I've had, this is a sneak peek for Legend of Retro in the future, I have had research on uh, Yonoid, the Nintendo game, based upon the Domino's mascot in my pocket for a while, waiting for a chance to be able to, to get that episode recorded. Uh, it'll be probably a bit before we can get the crew together who, who needs to do the, that episode. Uh, but uh, yeah, lay it on, lay it on us, Sean. So in January 30th, 1989, which is... Roughly two years before this episode, mm-hmm. a 22-year-old man named Kenneth Lamar no- um, Noid, Noid mm-hmm. walked in Domino's Pizza in Atlanta, Georgia with a 357 Magnum revolver and took two employees hostage. Yep. He f- I-, I guess he felt like the-, the Noid was based on him. It was like a joke. Yeah. He had like, a- he had like men- uh, some kind of uh, mental issues. Uh, it- he had a five-hour standoff with the police. Super heavy. I guess they ended up like the guys got away, right? Yeah, they got away, but he was paranoid and schizophrenic, they found That's out. That's what it was. Yeah, paranoid schizophrenic. Man. So, yeah, don't fuck with mascots because people <laughs> will get upset and they will try to kill you. Oh, man. So, uh, it cuts back to, to school. And I got to say, the, the tongue dragging across the envelopes... Kind of gross, right? I hate licking envelopes. I don't lick envelopes. Yeah, it's it's gross anyway. Uh, but like, just that like grindy noise they as they show the tongue zoomed in in this episode. Ugh. It's just yeah, it's super gross. Uh, Bart asks if he can go home, and by if he can go home, I mean I home now because his tongue is numb. And Skinner's like, oh well, don't tell your teacher I let you go home early when it's like a minute early. I love Bart's response of I though. <laughs> And so Bart gets on a skateboard, which must have been in his locker, I guess. Oh, it's probably in his locker. Headed out. Rain immediately starts as he's heading home. Gets splashed by the bus. As he's rounding a corner, the wheel busts on his skateboard. He goes flying down some stairs and opens his eyes to find that a group of people have trained their guns on him. Uh, Nine guns, by the way. That's an average childhood, right? Nine guns pointed at a child lying in the gutter, essentially. (laughs) 
I feel like... I shouldn't be laughing at this, but my God. <laughs> I feel like maybe the mobsters in Springfield um, need to do a better job at assessing threats. They're just ready to take care of anything that's going to come down that's a threat. Yeah, including children falling downstairs, the most dangerous of threats. Listen, in the 90s, children falling downstairs was a huge problem, Craig. I didn't know. Hmm. So Bart finds himself at the legitimate businessman's social club. And when the, the goons, you know, start kind of, you know, hassling Bart about what he's doing there and stuff, he, you know, kind of like, you know, tells them to lay off and stuff. And they, you know, of course, in their... Bart has a great line here that I love. Oh, yeah? Because he tells the goons, hands off the merchandise. <laughs> kids got attitude. Yeah, the kids got spunk. I, uh... Yeah, I, I love the the cliche uh, Italian mobster accents and stuff. They're 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 kind of hokey. They're arguably offensive, but they're kind of fun. They're they're fun. It's it's a nice parody of things like The Godfather and Goodfellas. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, I uh, you know, Bart Bart's had a terrible day, and Fat Tony wants to know if Bart is feeling lucky. So he tells him to pick a horse. And he says, eat my shorts. And Fat Tony says, he's like, hey, wait a second. He's like, eat my shorts is in the fifth race. I said, choose a horse for the third race. And he says, don't have a cow. And so he goes, don't have a cow. Okay. And so uh, one of the, the mobsters off to the side goes to turn on the radio. The race is about to start, and which is voiced by uh, Phil Hartman. So Fat Tony mm-hmm. puts a deuce on the horse, don't have a cow. How much is that? That's a grand, man. Oh. I don't bet on horses very often, so I don't know. So that, he bets that is a, a, horse, a grand, right? Uh, now no, I have to... Now are you second-guessing yourself? Second-guess myself. Uh, I, I mean, I can double-check. Uh, let's see. We're looking how much is a right. deuce? Uh, Urban Dictionary, huh? I... Uh, and uh, not bringing me up much. So we're going to just go it, with yours. Or is a dime a gra- I don't even. I don't gamble enough <laughs> because they won't let me gamble enough. <laughs> uh, so the uh, the all the, the other horses are all named after cartoon character catchphrases, which I thought was great. So don't have a cow is going against suffer and succotash, which is, of course, a quote from Sylvester the Cat from Looney Tunes. Yabba dabba do, who's you know the quote of Fred Flintstone, ain't I a stinker? The quote of Bugs Bunny. A deuce means two. Why did I not think of that? Oh right, yeah, deuce two. So is it two grand? I would assume so. Two dollars? It's not gonna be two dollars. You don't bet two dollars on a horse race when you're a fucking mobster. <laughs> Let's be realistic. Enough. You bet big money. Fair enough. So probably two thousand. That makes sense. I don't know why we didn't think of that. So I. Uh, uh, let's see. So there's that's all, folks, uh, which is a quote from Porky Pig. I am what I am, which is a Popeye quote. Uh, and then, uh, oh, yeah, and the, those are the uh, only ones. And he uh, wins. And so Bart's luck turns around. And the mobsters then ask, you know, why don't you make us drink? Can you believe we we're going to shoot this kid? <laughs> <laughs> also, for the record, when Bart says, I don't know how to make a Manhattan, nine guns get pulled on him. Listen, when you ask somebody for a drink and they don't give it to you, you want to pull a gun on them. 
I specifically remember you and I and a bunch of our friends went out mm-hmm. to an Italian restaurant one time. Uh-huh. And we wanted drinks. Uh-huh. And we specifically wanted Manhattans. Uh-huh. And they wouldn't give us Manhattans. So do you remember what we did? I, just because I pulled guns on them doesn't mean that that's what you should be doing. Do you remember what we did when they wouldn't give us Manhattans? What? what? We had a two-hour-long conversation as loud as possible about sex with Star Wars aliens. <laughs> oh, yeah. Until the entire restaurant cleared out. Oh, yeah. We're jerks. Yeah, that was not great of us. Yeah. It's not yeah. the only time we've ever cleared a restaurant out either. No, no. We've 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 definitely been jerks in the past and even t- today. <clears throat> so, I uh, you know, Bart Bart makes a uh, uh, a Manhattan. He follows the the recipe and I believe it's legs says supoib. Which I think my love of Manhattans to this day is because of this episode. Really? Now, how do you make a Manhattan? Like what goes into that? Uh, Manhattan is um Whiskey, bitters, and off the top of my head, I can't remember. I want to say it's vermouth. Okay. I uh, yeah. It, so it's so this uh, the the Manhattan is a drink that you really uh, enjoy, and it's because of this episode. I think it's because of this episode. I enjoy <laughs> any whiskey based drink. Okay. Uh, classic Manhattan cocktail. Mm-hmm. Whiskey, sweet vermouth, and bitters. Okay. Yeah. Sweet vermouth. All right. Yeah, Sean knows his alcohol. I have a problem. Who knows? <laughs> so, I uh, yeah, they they hire Bart, and it's a little weird that they were willing to shoot him if he wasn't gonna prepare the drink. If a kid can't make a drink, what good are they, Craig? Hard to argue with that. What else are we gonna do with small child labor? Put him in a camp and have him make Porsches for us? Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, so, anyways, uh, so Marge isn't feeling it. She's uh, she's feeling like you know she doesn't really like that Bart's got this job. She you know she feels like you know she maybe she doesn't know enough about it. And she's like Homer, say something. And Homer's like, how much does it pay? Bart's like thirty dollars a week. He's like, I make more than that. So if Bart worked a full time job and made thirty hours or thirty dollars a week, uh-huh. do you know how much you'd get paid an hour? Oh, uh, $30 a week, how much? 75 cents out of 40 hours. Yeesh. Well, he's a kid, so they can get away with that. But he gets good tips from these guys. These guys That's give excellent true. tips. Yeah, they really do. So, uh, one fine day starts to play as they show Bart working for the mobsters, and it, most of it is just showing them cheating. Yeah. It's, it's a really weird song montage. I like this montage a lot. I like... The atmosphere these monsters have, especially pulling guns on children. Sometimes you got to pull a gun on a child. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna have to take your word for it. So, while while Bart's in the midst of doing like a, one of those champagne towers, I don't even know what's going on there. Chief Wiggum busts in. They're called uh, champagne waterfalls, actually. Oh, champagne waterfall. My apologies. I guess I'm just not alcoholic. I enough. sound like more of a boo sound every time the show comes on. You're not wrong. So Chief Wiggum kicks in the door, and he wants to know what happened to a shipment of cigarettes that were on their way to Springfield. And Fat Tony's like, what's a truck? And he's like, don't play dumb with me. And Wiggum says that, you know, uh, he's, you know, he's going to catch him, yada, yada. And 
and Fat Tony's like, he's like, Chief, Chief, you're, you know, you got to calm down. You got to relax. He's like, the boy here makes an excellent Manhattan. Gives gives Chief Wiggum a Manhattan, and he tries it, likes it, and he's like, well, I'm still going to put you away, you know. And, he, and Fat Tony's like, good for you. So a couple things about this scene right here. Uh-huh. First off, Chief Wiggum says a great line. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm not going to rest till one of us is behind bars. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that line. Also, if a police officer is caught drinking in uniform, oh, yeah. they can actually be suspended from the force. Oh. That's why police officers have to change before they leave and go out to like the bar and they go into oh. casual clothing because they can be suspended for that. That is an offense. I'm not surprised. I, I mean, you're supposed to see them as an authority figure. And obviously, if they're getting sloppy drunk, you're not going <laughs> to see that. Yeah, probably not so much. Uh, and so, you know, Fat Tony leaves it at that. And it cuts to the Simpsons household. And Bart's in his room reading a comic. And lining the walls of his room are cartons of cigarettes. Tons of them. And Homer's like, Bart, have you started smoking? Which is an amazingly hilarious line. Because it's like, I love the conclusion Homer reaches from seeing just an absurd amount of cigarettes. Not even like a a pack lying on the ground. Just an absurd amount. And he's like, have you started smoking? (laughs) What an idiot. I love it. Uh, but Bart tells him no, and Homer tells him he's going to force him to smoke every single one of them. I mean, like, that would give him super cancer, right? So, we later learned on the news report how many th- cartons of cigarettes went missing. Uh-huh. And I did a little math. Okay. Let's get a little crazy here for a sure, second. Sure, by Shall all we? means. Yeah, by all means. So Lay it, lay it on us. 12,000 cartons of Laramie 100s went missing. Okay. We're going to assume Bart has all of them for this scenario. He probably doesn't because somewhere in Fat Tony's warehouse. Uh, yeah, that's right. Like, he ran out of warehouse space. So, so we don't know exactly how much is in but there. But we're mathematically going to use all of them. As sure, sure. Example. Okay. So with 12,000 cartons, uh-huh. there's 10 packs per carton. Okay. There's 20 cigarettes per pack. Okay. That's 2,400,000 cigarettes. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not super cancer, that's maximum over cancer. Which sounds like a lot of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It sounds like a ton. Is it really that many, though? I mean, I would think so. I mean, but I'm also not a smoker. I'm also allergic to it. That's what? A two, lot. 2,400,000. So we're going to do a little math here. Okay. All right, yeah, lay, lay, you know, what, what kind of math are we talking here? Let's say you're smoking an entire pack a day. Okay. Pa- pack a day is kind of an average one. Unfortunately for people, yeah, I, I think that's generally the case I hear of. So that would be 100, 120,000 days worth of cigarettes. How many years is that? 337. Uh, uh, wait, 337? Yeah. 337 years? For how many? Uh, 2,500,000 or 2,400,000. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's that's a long time. That's a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> and Homer's going to make Bart smoke all of them. <laughs> uh, so the, like, this, like, I don't know, like, truck driver, delivery guy or something comes in to pick them all up. And he, uh, uh, and Homer tells him, you know, like, I'll never doubt you again. Hey, kid, that uh, cigarette looks sophisticated. <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, so, 
Uh, Jack Larson of Laramie Tobacco uh, appears on TV with Chief Wiggum, who are trying to tell people, like, you know, everything's going to be A-OK. Uh, who will, will, will see uh, Jeremy, uh, uh, Jack, or Jack Larson of Laramie Tobacco again later in the series. Uh, we'll see him in Lisa the Beauty Queen, right? Yes, we yep. will. Yep. And uh, apparently these, they've called for another truck, and that uh, truck has been ordered to ignore all crosswalks and stop signs. And everyone's like, <laughs> yay! And the news then talks about how the they think that the mobster Fat Tony stole the, you know, uh, or uh, hijacked the truck. We learned Fat Tony's real name, too. William Fat Tony Williams. William Williams. William Williams. How is his first name not Anthony? Oh. Why is he called Fat Tony? Oh. I don't, I don't understand. I just like the name William Williams. I think it's funny. Who names their child William when your last name is Williams? If I had a son, his name would be Michael Michaels. You're a monster. Okay, I really wouldn't name him that, but there's the <laughs> option for that. So, uh, and I love that uh, Wiggum has another great line where he's like, you know, he's like, uh, Fat Tony is a cancer upon this fair city, and I am the... Hey, what cures cancer? And Lisa's like, Bart, is your boss a mobster? And Bart's like, I don't think so, but it would explain an awful lot. Yeah, Bart, like guns being pulled on you? <laughs> Sorry, I'm choking at that one. Huh? Yeah, like, how has Bart not noticed this yet? So he goes to the, the, the gentleman's club the next day. And he's like, are you guys crooks? And Fat Tony's like Bard, Bard, Bard. He's like, "What would you if if a if a starving uh, per, or if a, someone who was starving or yeah, someone who stole a loaf of bread for their starving family would that make them like would that be a crime?" And Bard's like, "Well, no." And he's like, "What if uh, your family didn't like bread? What if they liked cigarettes?" And he's like, "Well, I guess that's okay." And he's like, "What if instead of giving them away, you sold them at a price that was practically giving them away?" And Bart's like, "Hell no, that wouldn't be a crime." And he's like, "Enjoy your present." And he slides in this little suit, and Bart's like, "Soupoib." So I mm -hmm. love, yeah, what a father figure Fat Tony is to Bart. This episode, he kind of he, is. He's kind of this positive role model that Bart really doesn't have from Homer. Well, is he a positive role model, or is he just a male role model? He's a positive role model in my eyes. Yes, I, I so a male role model. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Bart, in this suit, walks into the kitchen and sings Witchcraft from uh, Frank Sinatra, and which I will spare everyone from doing with my own voice because, you know, I'm uh, tone deaf. And he asks Marge for, uh, what is it, three fingers of milk? Three fingers of milk, Ma. <laughs> so uh, Marge is very concerned at this point. And she she asks Homer to check it out. And Homer's like, you know, like blowing her off. No big deal. And Marge is like, she's like, also, that pizza delivery truck has been out like across the street for like a, like a, all week. She's like, how long does it take to deliver a pizza? And it, all the FBI guys in the uh, the van are like, the, our, the cover's been blown. Let's get out of here. And they peel out. And Homer's like, see, it's all your imagination. And then a truck appears. It's Flowers by Irene. Yeah, uh, FBI. Yeah. I get it. I thought it was kind of, kind I, of funny. I get it. <laughs> 
I feel like the the humor is that it's so obvious yes. for the record. So, but anyway, Homer says he'll go. You know, and so we have Homer hanging out with Fat Tony, and he wins a card game with a pair of sixes. And we find that Fat Tony is very obviously letting Homer win. I like the scene a lot, actually. Fat Tony's a clever guy. He's clever. He impresses Homer. And Homer's really taken back by Fat Tony. In fact, he offers up his daughter as a hat check girl. Yeah, that's a little weird, right? I mean, I'd get my kids into the mob if I could. Well, I mean, as long as they're never caught, it's good money, right? Yeah, exactly. However, things don't go well for Bart. So the next day at school... Bart is directing some children in his suit. And he's like this mobster of the playground. And he's like, more stink lines, boys, as they're uh, spray painting uh, Principal Skinner on uh, a wall. And Skinner walks up and demands to know what's going on. And Bart pulls him in close, slips him a, what, $100 bill? bill. And he slaps him in the face. He's like, you didn't see nothing. And Skinner is incorruptible. And we find Bart after school, writing, I will not bribe the principal over and over again on the chalkboard. As Skinner watches, he ain't going to let Bart just kind of weasel his way out of this one. And uh, so he's, you know, stuck in this detention, essentially. Did Skinner give back the hundred bucks? I, I would presume so. He's incorruptible. He, there's no way he kept it. I mean, he does work a pretty low-end job, though. He works a, I, I would argue that he works a very important job that gives low-end money. Okay. <laughs> But here's the thing. I, I think all the other teachers would have kept it. Oh, yeah. Anyone else would have. Hoover Anyone would have else. kept it. Kerbapa would have kept it. There are very few residents of Springfield that would not have kept that. And Principal Skinner is one of them. Incorruptible. At least as far as we know. So. At least the fake Skinner is incorruptible. You don't dare I reference that episode in my presence. <laughs> Never. So we have uh, uh, Fat Tony has like another mob over, like a, I don't know, a rival gang, would you say? So I'm going to assume, uh-huh. having done a little bit of mob research in sure. the 1920s, mm-hmm. that they are another city's gang. Okay. Because we're from the Detroit area, so everybody knows. And basically in the 20s, the Purple Gang ruled Detroit. Yeah. And they made deals with everybody in Chicago so that we didn't go in their territory. They didn't go in our territory. Okay. We had the same kind of rum runners giving us both rum. I gotcha. So I'm assuming that's what this is. It's another city's mob. So maybe this is like Shelbyville's mob. Probably. Okay. And so, you know, this this other mobster is like, you know, like, Tony, you invite me, you know, to your place on the the promise of like the the world's greatest like you know Manhattans and what is this like you're, there's nothing and Fat Tony's like nervous he wants to know what's going on with Bart he's like I, he's saying telling this guy like you know I, I don't understand he's never late and he tells I believe it's is it Legs yeah he tells Legs to get a drink and he's like make make a Manhattan and he's like I only know how to make wine spritzers and he's like I told you to make a Manhattan do it and. The other mobster tries it, and he says, what have I done to deserve this flat, flavorless Manhattan? Walks up to Tony, kisses him, and he goes, come on, boys. And they all walk out. And Fat Tony says, great, the kiss of death. (laughs) That's all I need. Is the kiss of death really a thing? Or is that like a movie thing? 
it's a movie thing, but I'm assuming it's a real thing. Maybe. It's uh, probably based on real fact. It could be. I mean, taking someone for a ride is based on real fact. I've seen those photos. Ugh. Yeah, that, that's disturbing. <laughs> um, yeah, doing uh, criminal research is a hobby of mine. So just don't look into my dealings, Sean. That's all I ask. So. Bart finally comes in, and Fat Tony's immediately upset. He's like, "Where were you? You're late!" And Skin and Bart blows up, and he's like, "Of course I'm late. Like, I how can I be on time with Skinner, you know, riding me?" And, and Fat Tony in this scene is a good, good role model for Bart. He really cares about Bart in this scene. He cares for Bart, but caring for somebody and being a good person are two completely different things. Listen, he wants to feed his family. He <laughs> wants to take care of Bart. He asks Bart, the Skinner guy giving you trouble? He's like, I'm worried about this. Oh, no, I will grant you that. Like, he definitely wants to, to fix any problems. And so he tells Bart, you know, or Bart says, yeah, like, you know, he's causing me trouble. And so Fat Tony is just like, come on, boys, let's go. And they head out. I, and I love that it cuts to the, the you know, Springfield Elementary. And Skinner's secretary opens the door and she says, some large men to see you, sir. And Skinner's like, I don't have any appointment with large men. And uh, for the record, we find out that at this time, he does have a secretary. Later, he will not have one. Are you who, talking about when Burns comes in? Who shot Mr. Burns? Yep. Okay. <laughs> he says, uh, it, the intercom clicks in, and it's like, you have one more appointment, uh, uh, Principal Skinner. And he's like, well, that's odd. I don't have an intercom system. Or a secretary. But come on in. I uh, So... Skinner wants to know, you know, like, why the hall monitors didn't stop them. If I was a hall monitor in an elementary school and a bunch of, like, middle-aged dudes in suits came in, I would not be stopping them. I would, if anything, be running out of the school. So I had to pause at this scene mm-hmm. because I'm imagining Martin Prince as the hall monitor <laughs> and a bunch of guys pulling out guns on Martin. <laughs> Nine guns. Nine guns, of course. <laughs> Nine whole guns. That's why the, the that there's actually a bunch more goons out in the hall, and they're all got guns They've on all got Martin. Guns on Martin in this moment. <laughs> and so the presumably the next day of school, Bart is drawing a picture that would, I mean, even back then should have gotten him in trouble, but today would really get him in trouble. It's like Skinner. In a noose with X's over his eyes and like flies coming off him and like a knife in his back. You wouldn't have gotten in trouble back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah. In sixth grade, me and a buddy, they had this program on our PCs at school called Kid Picks. Oh, yeah. I remember those. And you could draw art with little stamps. It's kind of like Mario Paint for a little more advanced on a PC. Yeah. We drew a bunch of pictures that were like guys shooting up like places like postal workers shooting places up we had Yikes. A, we had one that we did that was a bunch of planes crashing into buildings oh. we had ted kaczynski the unabomber getting arrested in this cabin in the woods he had a bunch of like little envelopes in his hands and the police were all showing up i mean at least he was getting arrested i think we had some police officers blowing up mm, of course and you didn't get in trouble no not at all in fact oh, okay. we were told that, oh you got some nice artistic talent here I like the way you have those planes crashing into buildings. That won't ever uh, come back to bite you if anybody finds those are. Yeah, that's yikes. So, Krabappel comes in and she's she's in hysterics and tells the class that Skinner is missing. All the kids go, yay! And Bart is like, uh-oh. 
because he's putting two and two together. The Springfield Chopper pops up on the screen, our, our newspaper for Springfield, and says, Principal still missing. Police search for body. Uh, also, Willie thought he found him. Ugh, but it was only a cat. A psychic joins the Skinner hunt. So here comes some weird references for everybody. I knew you were going to do these. So uh, this, the, the psychic, uh, Princess Opal, is that her name? Princess Opal, yeah. Princess Opal. She, uh, uh, she says that it's uh, wedding bells for Vanna White and Teddy, Teddy Kennedy. And Wiggum's like, can you focus on the case? Vanna White is the hostess of the Wheel of Fortune game show. She married George Santo Pietro in 1990, but divorced in 2002. Uh, which so it's weird that she was married at the time they did this joke. However, Teddy Kennedy was a U.S. senator for Massachusetts from 1962 until his death in 2009. Teddy remarried in 1992 after a divorce with uh, Joan Bennett in 1983. So he was single at the time. Uh, also, she says that Willie Nelson will swim the English Channel, uh, which has never happened. Either. Willie Nelson. <laughs> Willie Nelson, really? really? <laughs> Princess Opal is merely a conduit for the spirits. Uh, and so she's a conduit for shit. Yeah, basically. So uh, I love the the Seymour Skinner Memorial fire hose. And Krivoffel's like, he loved fire drills. Willie, who's just got a lot of great lines in this episode, grabs her. He's like, get a hold of yourself, Les, for the wee bairns, as he slaps her <laughs> in the face, which uh, a bairn apparently is uh, Scottish for child. If you if you need to know, the kids think it's hilarious though. So one of the kids is like, you know, uh, it's I think it's Bart Lewis Millhouse, and then Nelson walks up, and one of the kids is like, uh, he's I heard he's buried under his parking spot. Another one's like, I heard it was ground in a hamburger and served to us at lunch. And then Nelson walks <laughs> up, and he's like, I heard Bart had Skinner killed by gangsters. <laughs> Nelson's on the right track. He is scarily so and bart freaks out he's like you can't prove anything i know the law <laughs> <laughs> i know the law you can't you can't prove anything so uh we, we it's been a while since we had a bart nightmare and that one kicks in dude this one is fucked up and i love it <laughs> this is one of the darkest scenes in any non-halloween episode oh yeah absolutely uh, so the aesthetics are very dark. Everything's gray. Like some colors get drawn in. Like the, I think the blue. The blue of Skinner's suit often gets drawn in. And uh, like when he's frozen, the blue is colored in. Uh, and so like Bart basically keeps running around and running into Skinner, who's like had his like, you know, cement shoes put on him and thrown in a, a lake. And he's like, you killed me, Bart. You know, and then he's like on a meat hook. Like freezing in a like a freezer or whatever, and so it like run, Bart's just running around and like you know Skinner's just dead in all these different scenes, and I think the most messed up thing is at the jailhouse Bart finds himself in in this nightmare, which Homer's outside going kill my boy, kill my boy, I <laughs> uh, Bart gets put in the electric chair, but he's a child so he's too short, and they put a bunch of phone books on the electric chair. To boost him up to be able to kill him. So, I've got a complaint with this scene as dark as it is. Oh, yeah? So, for the electric chair to work, they have to shave your head. 
I would argue this is a nightmare and Bart doesn't know that. I I, I would argue that Bart doesn't know (laughs) that, but that's often how it's depicted in a lot of things, Hmm. which is very weird. Like in fan fiction seasons, Snake is electrocuted on a Halloween episode and he still has his hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have to shave it, though, don't they? And like put like sponges. Yeah, they put a sponge on your head. Yeah, I I've seen the Green Mile. Yeah. 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 That was a depressing movie. Yeah, it was. So it's a good movie. It, very good, but yeah, very de- yeah, very depressing. Uh, so Bart freaks out, wakes up from the nightmare, and just runs out the door. And he like basically kicks in the door to to this gentleman's club, and Fat Tony's like, "You're eight hours early for work. I like that." And Bart's like, "Did you kill my principal?" And one of the guys, I think it's Legs, is like a Chinese guy with a mustache. And he's like, no, my principal. And he's like, and they're like, no, we didn't touch your principal. And Wiggum kicks in the door and arrests everybody for murder. Everybody, including Bart. Yeah, including Bart. That's weird, right? So that's not only weird, but we get to see Bart in jail in a second. Also, if Bart hadn't gone there then he would not have been captured there, which means that they would have had a, a warrant for his arrest. Can you imagine how traumatizing that would be to the Simpson family to have the door kick in and they're like, where's your son? We need him on accounts of murder one. Dude, that'd be dark. I want to see that episode. Well, Homer and Marge find out about it anyway, as Marge is like, Bart, couldn't he have just had a paper route like most boys? So we see another character when Bart is in jail. He's jacked. He's fucking ripped, man. I can't believe it. Every time I see this scene, it throws me off. He's totally there as a throwaway reference, but sitting next to Bart, an adult, when he's a child, I feel like Bart should be in a juvenile jail, juvie or something. Also, I feel like he would be actually in prison now and not in a jail cell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Next to him is one of my favorite characters of all time, Sideshow Bob. And he's huge. Yeah, he's uh, he's lifting uh, weights. He's pumping iron. And he just smiles at Bart. And I almost wonder if in this moment they realized that they would want to bring Sideshow Bob back at some point to have him get revenge on Bart. Because he looks real happy that Bart's in there. Oh, yeah. He's going to kill him. <laughs> he's going to try. Or he's going to do things to him. Prison things. That's enough out of you. Oh, <laughs> So, uh, as as Homer threatens Bart, and he's like, wait until you get out of there, boy. Bart's like, hey, who the hell is that behind you? And he goes, Lionel Hutz, court-appointed court attorney. And he's like, and I'm going to be defending you on the grounds of murder one. Wow, even if I lose, I'll be famous. I love Lionel Hutz. That's an amazing line. Cuts to Mr. Burns, who talks about uh, how wonderful it is that everyone is so hysterical about crime that they're willing to try a child as an adult. Which kind of gives the explanation for why Bart is in this predicament, being tried as an adult. Yeah. So, Fat Tony it cuts to the the you know prison, uh, or not, sorry, not the prison. The courtroom. The courtroom, yeah. Uh, Fat Tony apparently only stops by for the newspaper. And so the lawyer is like, well, who is the, the head mobster? The cap, capo di tutti capi, which apparently is Italian. My Italian is really bad, so I apologize for that. But it uh, translates to the boss of bosses, which Wait, is kind of cool, right? That's a cool title. Capo di tutti capi. I kind of want to go by the boss of bosses. I like that title. 
There can only be one boss of bosses, Sean. I've played And that one Metal is Gear. Don Bartholomew. <laughs> and when Bart's like, hey, he's like, forgive me, Don Bartholomew. And so Bart's getting blamed for everything. Yeah, prostitution, loan sharking. <laughs> the kid liked to wet his beak and everything. I love that when Lionel Hutz is like, he's like, Mr. Simpson, you've been the boy's father for years. He's like, you know, like, it, do you really think he could be the head of a criminal syndicate? And he's like, well, not the head. And then he stares at Bart for a second. He's like, oh, it's true. He's like, all the pieces fit. And he starts crying his eyes out. And things don't look good for Bart. Bart's going to go to jail for a long time yeah, he is. he's getting framed so uh the they they show a, a newspaper and it shows uh sentencing today for dinky don and bart's an octopus he's got all of the town in his little octopi arms yeah it's it's real uh, a really cool picture but it looks really it's like a weird imagery yeah i like it i feel like it was used in like world war ii comics or something like that like oh like old newspaper comics or something like for the guys who would make their sports cars out of camps labor is that a dinky down <laughs> no that's a uh, asshole oh okay <laughs> so, so. The the judge is about to convict Bart. He's like, you know, he's like, after all this, like, you know, like all these teachers' testimonies, he's like, after, you know, like this wave after wave of like sh- emotionally shattered babysitters, he's like, this court has no option, but does that mean the jury already deemed him guilty? That does, yes. Wouldn't that mean that even if Skinner walked in alive, that... Bart would still go to jail because the jury has convicted him whether the evidence came in at that point or not? Yes. Hmm, okay. Just wondering. And Skinner kicks in the door to the courtroom. And uh, everyone's like, oh my god, I thought he was dead. And it turns out he was trapped for a week. Which means his court case went really quick. Yeah, it did. A week? They really wanted Bart in the electric chair. Like, really bad. Well, who doesn't? Marge? And, um, uh, maybe Millhouse? Sometimes Lisa? Sometimes Lisa, but not this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, so apparently, uh, uh, Skinner, after, uh, throwing out the, uh, you know, street toughs, uh, from his office, he needed to unwind by so I love newspapers that we see the other side of what happened with them going into his office. We really think he, the boy has potential. Get out! Skinner's kind of a jerk to those guys. Yeah. I mean, don't be wrong. Bart is a troublemaker and and probably, you know, like, you know, but I feel like Skinner probably should have been a little bit more forthcoming. Like, okay, what's going on that you feel like this boy has potential? Also, you're not his parents. You don't seem to be related to him. So who the hell are you? That should be like a red flag right there. I don't don't think it's that much of a red flag because it's almost like your boss from your job shows up and is like, hey, I just want to say, you know, Craig's a really good guy. I don't know, man. It... I feel like if if I was if I was like I don't know like going to like take classes or something and my boss like that from my job came into my school and was like I I really feel like Craig is 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 has a lot of potential. I feel like at that point it's like um why didn't you call to tell me this? Why and also the biggest thing is that he's a child. It's not like these are like, you know, teenagers or like, you know, young adults. Bart is a child. And these group of guys 
who seems shady, come in and start talking about how great he is. Like, that's a red flag, I feel like. These shady guys can raise a child pretty well. <laughs> well, he'd be better than Homer. So, uh, apparently uh, Skinner had uh, been surviving on uh, uh, his mother's preserves. Uh, we uh, uh, Let's see, what else did we uh, learn? Oh, uh, he used to be a fourth grade science teacher. He has a cat named Plato. I saw that too. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a few kind of weird things going on there. Uh, Not the only character we'll see have a cat this season, by the way. Really? Yeah, we learn another character has a cat in their house, or rather, apartment. Interesting. I'm excited to catch that. Uh, so we have. Oh, and then the best part is is that Skinner kept his sanity by bouncing a nearby basketball. He would see how many times he could bounce in an hour, and then try to break that record. And I love that Bart just rolls his eyes off to the side. <laughs> it's just like mad at him. He made a game of it. <laughs> So, uh, I also love that uh, while he was yelling for help, the police were outside of that room he was yelling help from, rooting through his drawers, eating his food, and uh, Princess Opal lets us know uh, that uh, she gets no uh, reading from Skinner in his home, but it's Splitsville for Delta Burke and Major Dad. And Wiggum is like, oh, but they seem so happy. And so I had to do some research. Of course. Uh, They're still married. Delta Burke was an actress known for playing Suzanne Sugarbaker on the CBS sitcom Designing Women. Major Dad refers to a sitcom about a military man marrying a journalist and gaining three daughters. Gerald McRaney is the one who played that dad who's married to Delta uh, Burke. Uh, they married in 1989. Hmm, good yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're still around. But that's why the, the reference is there because it's so fresh of a marriage. Just a few years before this episode, of course. I. Uh, the prosecution moves that Principal Skinner's testimony be stricken from the record. The judge, uh, Judge Snyder, yep, uh, says denied. And Lionel Hutz walks up to the judge and says, uh, "Your Honor, do I still get paid?" <laughs> I love Lionel Hutz. Bart heads outside, and Fat Tony tries to apologize. And let's face it. Any positive, you know, role model stuff goes out the window when they're trying to get you in the electric chair instead of them. Eh, I still would have worked for him. I mean, it was a lot of money. I'll grant you that. Uh, but uh, Bart says that crime doesn't pay. And Fat Tony goes, yeah, you're right. Gets in a limo, rides off with a beautiful woman. The other two guys get in their own limos and ride off. So, yeah, crime unfortunately does pay. Yeah, they need a job working for the mob. Yeah, seriously. Shout out to the mob. Who wants to? Which mobster group of mobsters wants to uh, support Noiseland Arcade? We call out for a lot of stupid shit. <laughs> we're like, okay, make us Robert Cooley Destroyer. But this is going to be the one. The mobster is going to reach us, and they're going to say, Noiseland Arcade. I like those guys. Who wants to sponsor our show? We're we're taking bids from uh, the highest bidder from any mobster that wants to do so. Uh, so it cuts to the living room, and the family is watching Blood on the ba- uh, Blood on the Blackboard, the Bart Simpson story, which ri- with Richard Chamberlain as Principal Skinner, Joe Montagna uh, as Fat Tony, which I love because Joe Montagna is Fat Tony's voice. Yes, Jane Seymour is the woman he loved. Uh, who, uh, for the record, I did look her up a little bit. Uh, she was in uh, Live and Let Die. Yes, she was. Yeah. And Neil Patrick Harris plays Bart, and it's really Neil Patrick Harris. Heck yeah, it is, and it's a great line he's got here. (laughs) 
<laughs> so what is he? He says something like, "Where do all right, Skinner? Where do you want me?" And the, it's the guy playing Skinner spits on him, and he goes, "Not smart," and just <laughs> blows him away. Bart's pretty impressed with the movie, but we find out that they changed it just enough to not have to pay The Simpsons. And Homer says the real crooks are those sleazy Hollywood producers. And then it shows the producers of The Simpsons uh, in the credits. Wah, wah. Which is a pretty funny meta joke. Oh, yeah, it's a pretty funny meta joke. I like it. So, Sean, what do you feel is the lasting impact of this episode? I think we're both going to agree on this one. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the introduction of the mob to Simpsons. It, we find out that a crime syndicate is has the city of Springfield in its grasp. And we, they show up a lot. This isn't just like a one-off gag. Like They're here a lot from this point out. They really are. Sometimes in little quick side jokes, uh, they're, you know, mobsters are a big to-do in Springfield, which is weird because you always view it as kind of a tinier podunk town. Yeah, Springfield's a much bigger city. It, 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 it needs like a monorail. <laughs> it doesn't have a centralized population. It needs a monorail. <laughs> I mean, it's a city that has its own nuclear power plant. And one of its nearby cities also has a nuclear power plant. So, like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like Springfield is depicted as whatever size they need it to be. Either a nice, small, little quaint town or a pretty big city, you know? So... Springfield is a small town, like Raccoon City is a small town. The more Resident Evil games that kept coming out, that town kept getting bigger and bigger. There's a subway system. They've got a college in that town. They've got a tram car system above ground. There's a lot going on in Raccoon City. And Springfield's kind of the same way. Yeah, it kind of is, now that you mention it. It, it, I guess the longer Springfield went on, the more they needed to kind of, like, expand it. But still kind of keep the small town charm to it, sort of. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, But uh, I tell you what, Sean. I... Just uh, I just want to do a, a real quick shout out, of course, to uh, all our patrons who make this show possible. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to support Noiseline Arcade, make sure to go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media as Noiseland Arcade is on the GameZilla Media Network. And uh, for five dollars a month, you get access to a special bi-monthly show that we produce called Smart Line, where Sean and I talk about varying topics, characters, stuff like that. Uh, and uh, if you support, uh, you know, GameZilla Media, you're also getting all the bonus content from all our other shows. So, you know, there's a ton of content there, you know, uh, over on Patreon. So definitely check that out. But, uh, Sean, what I... Uh, what kind of uh, uh, quote is your uh, was your favorite for uh, today? So my favorite quote is something that's so dumb. Mm-hmm. It's just the delivery of it, and it makes me laugh every single time. Bart's having his dream, and uh-huh. he's about to get put in the electric chair, and he says, "Reverend Lovejoy, you're here to comfort me." <laughs> and Reverend Lovejoy reaches over to Bart and goes, "There, there, there, there." <laughs> that is a great line. I think my favorite quote has to be when Bart is in jail, just saw Sideshow Bob, and wants to know who the hell that guy is behind him, who should be fairly familiar because he dealt with them previously, Lionel Hutz. And he says, Lionel Hutz, court-appointed attorney. I'll be defending you on the charge of murder one. Wow, even if I lose, I'll be famous. <laughs>